Praise the Lord. Welcome to our Hebrews Bible study. I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson here in my office at Crossway Church in Queen City, Texas. Glad you are watching the broadcast whenever it might be that you're watching. I'm so thankful to be able to be sharing God's Word with you in its righteous context as the truth of the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is what the Bible is all about. And again, uh, this is our Hebrews Bible study. And this is going to be part six today. Let me look. I think that's right. Nope. Uh, yep. Part six on the seventh day of January 2021. And we're excited and thanking God for the opportunity. And I pray that you would share these teachings as you hear them and are blessed by them. Before we dig into the Word, $10, get your little 62-page booklet that will bless your socks off. If you love the truth, this will increase that love of the truth. It's called All God's Works Are Done in Truth. It's derived from Psalms 33 and 4. For the Word of the Lord is right, and all His works are done in truth. And when a man, a woman, gets honest with themselves and they agree with God's word that all his works are done in truth, then they'll have to be honest enough to admit they've called a lot of things God that was not God. And that's where God's bringing his people back to. You can donate that $10 <coughs> on uh, your smartphone. Just uh, text the word GIVE to 903-231-5950 and uh, hit your giving to the products there. But you'll also need to send me a message uh, somehow. Uh, and you can do that at curtishutchinson at att.net or you can give on the website and make sure that we know what it is you're wanting. If you just send money, well, thanks for the offering. You're helping us do what we do, but I need to know what you want and make sure we get your address and we will send it to you immediately. And we're thankful for those of you who are sowing into this great ministry of the, the gospel. That's what you're giving to when you sow into Crossway Church. You're sowing into our ministry that we uh, take seven seven expositor study Bibles every single week into the prison system. We mail them. We get letters from uh, inmates and that is increasing. That is uh, growing. The inmates receive the Bible. Then other inmates want that Bible and it's so helpful that all the notes in the Bible point to Calvary. So praise God for that and thank you again for all of you who do so into this good ground. Hebrews chapter 1. Again, this is part 6 and uh, we're going to begin here in verse 3. We've covered the first three areas of verse 3. And the first area was that Jesus is the brightness of God's glory, that He's the express image of His person, uh, that He's upholding all things by the word of His power. And I guess it was really five things. And the fourth one was when He had by Himself purged our sins. And this morning we're going to discuss, uh, at least to begin with, how he is now because of who he is and what he did at Calvary he's now seated at the right hand of the majesty on high and and if you if you think about the priesthood of the old covenant under the Aaronic under the Levites under Aaron you had to be Aaron or his sons to be in the priest uh, but you had to be a Levite to even operate in the temple 
dealings with, with, with all the pots and pans and, and all the things, the keeping, the lights, the candles burning, the bread on the, on the table of showbread and all those things. You had to be a Levite to function in that capacity, but you had to be a son of Aaron to be a priest. And now the priesthood has been changed. And those under the old covenant, men would die and have to be replaced. But Jesus Christ becomes the new great high priest. The entirety of the priesthood has changed, no longer under law. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 12 says that because the priesthood changed, there's also the necessity that the law changed. And praise God, the law did change. Hallelujah. And now we're living under the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Romans chapter chapter 8, verse 2. But when Jesus gave himself, offered himself as the spotless, sinless, without blemish, sacrifice to become our redemption on the cross, that work was carried out there. And hear me this morning, that work was finished there. It, it, nothing else after that played a part in your being justified. The Bible says we're justified by the blood. Now, we didn't understand what really happened there until Christ was raised from the dead and showed himself. And then their hope again came, a lively hope. They, they remembered that all that he taught them and their hope came alive. But he did the work and he finished the work at Calvary. Yes, he had to be resurrected because the resurrection was the proof that what he had said and what he had done really did work. Hallelujah. The resurrection, the Bible teaches in Romans chapter 1 verse 4 that the, the resurrection was really the, 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 the perfect declaration of a perfect sacrifice. And you need, you need not ever forget that. And when that work had been done, completed by Jesus, the Bible says here, by himself he purged us from our sins. You try to play a part in that and you're still not purged from your sins other than your part of believing. That, that's it. Yes, there's fruit, my friend, but just because somebody starts doing things that could be fruit doesn't mean it is. It takes faith in Christ, meaning faith in his death, for you to be able to have the Holy Spirit who's got to be the one doing the work inwardly and allowing the fruit to be bare. So he by himself purged us from our sins. Then he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. He is at the right hand of our heavenly Father right now because of what he did at Calvary. Amen. He, he, he opened the door as he was the door and he only did it for us through Calvary. He didn't do it through all his miracles. All his miracles didn't get us in the kingdom. It was the shedding of blood that we might find that remission of sin and come into this great salvation, this great kingdom that he's offered to all. And so him being set down on the right hand of the majesty here in the book of Hebrews also, it says that he ever lives to make intercession for us. All my life, most of my life, I sat and I thought that Jesus was up there and every time he'd see us make a mistake, that he'd turn and plead to the Father to have mercy on us because that was his intercession. But the Bible says in Hebrews that he ever lives 
to make intercession. His very presence as the resurrected King of kings and Lord of lords at the right hand of the Father. Hear me today. That is your intercession. Because when the Father looks at you, he's as a child of God, He's got to look through Christ. You need to know that. Because He lives and your trust is in Him, that and that alone makes him your intercession. He's not up there begging God for you. He paid the price for you at Calvary. He purged your sins by himself and because the work was finished, you trusted in that. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. Now no matter what we do, whether we believe or not, He's seated at the right hand of the Father because he finished the work. And I'm reminded in, in Matthew, I wrote it down before Bible study, Matthew, Mark, and John, all three, tell of the story when Jesus uh, uh, broke the bread, gave thanks, and multiplied a little bit of food and fed 5,000, really even more people than that. But before he did, he had them sit down in the grass. And sitting down speaks of Rest that you're, you're not going. You're not working for any. Once you're seated, the work has been done. Now I want you to get that. In the old covenant, the priests were never seated. It was a never-ending cycle because the blood of Jesus had not yet been shed, and the blood of animals only pointed to that. And it was a never-ending cycle. We got to keep the candles burning. We got to keep fresh bread on the table. We got to continually offer sacrifices for sins. But once the new high priest steps in, that one that's after the order of Melchizedek, he offers his own blood as the high priest. And now he did the work. He finished the work. He purged our sins by himself. And now he's seated representing the work has been finished. And when we try to add to it, we're in denial of a finished work. And hear me, while we're trying to finish what Jesus has already finished, and I'm speaking of those that think they have to do something to be saved or they have to do something to be sanctified instead of believing the right things. They, have, they think they have to do the right things. Then they're rejecting even what him being on the throne of grace is all about. Because you can't get grace if you're trying to work for it. It's a finished work that offers grace. Let me say it a better way. It's faith only in a finished work, the one who finished the work that gets grace. You need to know that today. And so he is seated. He, he's at rest now. The work's been done. The Bible says in Hebrews 4, we'll get to it maybe before the rapture, but that the works were finished from the foundation of the world. But yet Jesus still had to show up and carry out the finished work, the redemption work that had been promised, the lamb had been slain in the plan of God, the laid out plan of God before the foundation of the world, Revelation 13, 8. You need to read these things. God saw this thing as finished before it began. That's why Isaiah 49, uh, 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 I'm, I'm, I can't think of it right now, but the prophet Isaiah said he makes known the end from the beginning. And just imagine... Uh, if you can picture God running into the Garden of Eden to find man and woman in sin, now separated from him, hiding from him, uh, and what does God tell them? God actually 
preaches the message of the cross to them in type and shadow. He says the seed of the woman going to crush your head, devil. Well, women don't carry a seed. We men carry the seed. But there would be a woman come, that would come, the Virgin Mary, that God would put the incorruptible seed in her and that seed would crush his head and he would bruise his heel. That speaks of Jesus on the cross being bruised and wounded for our sins and iniquities. Think about that. God rushed into the garden and preached a message that was already settled before time began with humanity because God already knew what we would need and that's a Savior, my friend. So Jesus did the work and because the work was finished, if the work wasn't finished and there was still something for us to do, us still to play a part in it, then he couldn't be seated. It would be a continual something that he had to do, but he finished the work. Therefore, allowing him to be seated at the right hand of the Father so that when we trust in God through faith in him and his finished work, we now enter in to that rest. Hebrews also teaches we labor to enter into that rest, that seated place in Christ at the right hand of the Father. But Hebrews also teaches that our labor, that we enter in through labor into this rest by believing, not working for. If it's works, it's not grace. Yes, there are works that are ordained for every child of God to walk in, but they're all in Christ. And that can't take place till after you're in Christ. So, and the only entrance into Christ is simple, exclusive faith in what he did at the cross as the great high priest to be able to be seated at the right hand of the Father. You and I need to know that. We need to think about these things. But uh, he, he, he's resting today. Yes, he's in the midst of his church. We have his spirit. It's the spirit of Christ. The Spirit of the Son of God dwells in us. And something the Lord has really been impressing on my heart and a, and a lot of people who are, are just far out there and, and we've been deceived too long standing around begging for God's presence. You and I, my friend, if, if the Spirit of Christ dwells in you, you have the Spirit of God. Do you think the Spirit of God is something other than the Spirit of Christ dwelling in you? If He never leaves you and never forsakes you? Does that mean, doesn't that mean that you don't have to beg for his presence? And hear me out now. If you're begging and pleading God for his presence, what are you really asking him for? What are you really after? Because you already have his presence because he paid the price for your sins so he could be seated at the right hand of the Father and send the Holy Spirit to dwell in you to never leave you, to never forsake you. What you really need to be asking is, Lord, help me to be more aware of who you are in me, what I already have. Oh, I like the moves of God that can take place in our lives and I like it when the Lord just invades the room in those special times but what is taking place there is that there is an awareness there of His presence. An awareness is there of His presence. And you need to be careful. You need to be careful of who you're listening to and what you're hearing and how you're hearing it. Because you, my friend, if you're a born-again child of God, you have the presence of God in your life. 
If he won't leave you and he won't forsake you, that means he's with you now. And what you need to learn to do, we all do, is to be more aware and sensitive to his presence. Hallelujah. Just trying to help you today. For those of you who don't like it and get mad, well, you just you want something outside of what the Bible calls for. You're looking for something that's mystical and magical. You need to start learning what you already have, who it is that dwells in you. And if you always have God's presence, then what's important is what God's presence can do for you. That is a powerful statement. You always have God's presence. If you're waiting on these, what you hear people talk, if you're waiting on God to invade in some dynamic, no, you already have the Spirit of God dwelling in you if you're born again, and He's trying to get you in the Scriptures so that you can learn about Him, what you already have in Him, who you are in Him, who He is in you, what's been done at Calvary so you can learn what He's attempting to do now and be more in tune, more sensitive to, more aware of the presence of God in your life today. Yes, He will show up at times in a special way and give you direction, but He's going to do that when you're sensitive and you're looking for and you're seeking Him diligently with your whole heart. The Bible teaches. Hallelujah. Praise God. So let's move on to verse 4. We could stay in verse 3 literally for two years, never leave, and the rest of the Bible could be brought into verse 3. I will say that again. The rest of the Word of God, all of the Bible could be brought in through the door of Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. But let's move on this morning. Being made Jesus, being made so much better than the angels as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Now, I want to share with you a little bit maybe uh, of insight the Lord has is, is given me to share with you about the word better. Because we know really that I'm not better than you, you're not better than me, that we're all people and we all have the same main issue and that's sin. We may have been uh, saved from our sins and we've been forgiven of our sins, but the issue in all of life, in every life on the planet is still sin. There's still a flesh that we live in and there is still a sin nature. Now that sin nature will remain dormant while I'm trusting in what crucified and put him away. But the moment I start trusting in anything else, Paul said the sin nature revives and I died. Paul said that about himself. When he tried to go back and revert back to the law before he learned the way of the cross, he said, when the commandment came, sin, the sin nature revived and I died. That means I was separated from what I knew. I, I couldn't do what I know I needed to do and I couldn't stop doing what I knew I shouldn't be doing. That's because I was trusting in something other than what separates me from all that I shouldn't be doing and brings me into that with the power of the Holy Spirit, all that I should be doing. Hallelujah. So when we talk about the word better, and I want to share some interesting uh, and I think very uh, encouraging things this morning about this word better because nobody's better than anybody. You may be living a better life in Christ than they are, 
but you're not better than them and they're not better than you. And it do you good to realize that that'll help you right there, especially people who are real timid and, and real shy and timid. If you come to grips with you're not better than anybody, and, and most of the time timid and shy people realize that, what they struggle with is that other people are better than them. Hear me this morning, nobody's better than you. And when the word better here is used, and you might write this down, the word better here means, and it always means, we'll see it, I'm going to give you some examples in the Bible. The word better here means that which glorifies God more. That which carries out more of the plan and the will of God. Because that's what God's looking for. And the one who's done that the most is Jesus Christ, whom without, nobody can do that. Let me say that again. Jesus is the brightness, we just read it, of God's glory. And there is no glorifying of God among humanity if it's not faith in the one who is the brightness of God's glory. It's not happening. Good deeds, not getting it done. Anything that glorifies God is through faith in Jesus Christ or I don't care how much of a form of right, good, godliness it might have, it's without the power of the Holy Spirit, and it takes the power of the Holy Spirit to glorify God, and He does that only through humanity's faith in Christ Jesus. So Jesus has been made so much better than the angels. So let's look at that word better. I got some things here in my notes I'm going to share with you. Uh, and the, the writer of Hebrews, really here, he, he introduces this word better and he uses it all through this letter of Hebrews. And watch this now. Believers in Christ have a better hope. That's chapter 7, verse 9. A better covenant. That's chapter 7, verse 22. And chapter 8, verse 6, we have better sacrifices. That's chapter 9, verse 23. We have a better possession. That's chapter 10, verse 34. And we have a better, we have a better resurrection. Hallelujah. And that's Hebrews eleven thirty-five. And we have a better blood, which is the blood of Christ than that of the blood of Abel. And that's mentioned in Hebrews 12 and 24. And 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 I want to mention one other thing to you. I hope you got those. I hope you had time to scribble them down. If you didn't go back and listen again, it'd be worth looking at because the you and I, under the new covenant, are under a better covenant, and there's so many things that are better now, hear me, because now they better glorify God. It don't mean we're a better people. <laughs> you got to be careful with that. Let's go back to what I said. We're not better than anybody, and nobody is better than us. We all need a Savior. The lost world needs a Savior. We need our Savior every day leading our way. And He does that through our faith in His finished work and we begin to grow and trust Him more and learn of His grace and His knowledge for the sake of carrying out the will of God which glorifies our Heavenly Father. Hallelujah. But now I want to remind you of something that was written 
in 1 Samuel chapter 15, 28, and this was after the old wicked King Saul <coughs> was doing all he did that was sinful, and Samuel shows up and says unto Saul, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you this day. You know, Saul was a wicked king. Saul just wouldn't trust God. I don't like using the word couldn't because anybody can serve God. If one man can serve God, all men can serve God. Why? Because it is a choice. God did not make robots. You need to remember that. If you're still believing in that false predestination way of the Calvinistic view, you don't understand your Bible, my friend. God didn't create anybody to go to hell. He didn't even create hell for men. He created it for de the devil and his angels. I believe that's uh, Matthew 25, 41. And it's not God's will that any perish. Jesus tasted death by the grace of God for all men. Just quoting the Bible to you so you got to understand. We all have a choice. You have a choice today. You have a choice today where you can begin to trust in what Christ did for you at Calvary all over again as the power of God in your life because your Bible says the preaching of the cross is the power of God. Not what your preacher maybe has been telling you the power of God is. Yes, it takes the Holy Spirit to carry out the power of God, to, put, to give us the power of God. For He is the power of God working in our lives. But remember, He only works in truth. He only works in truth. There's a lot of cute, nice songs that sound good and, 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 and we might be singing that He's working even when I don't know it and all that good stuff, only if my faith is in the right object. If not, then I've eliminated him from working in my life. Everything in our life is by grace through faith. Grace is what he does through our faith, but that faith has to be in the cross of Jesus Christ or he is not working. All he can do now is point us back to the place we left. Read the book of Revelation and the letter given to the churches. So watch this. Samuel shows up unto Saul and he says, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you this day and has given it to a neighbor of yours, talking about David, that is better than you. Think about that. It, now it sounds like here that this could be like God being a respecter of persons. And we need to bring that in because God says that's a sin. To be a respecter of persons is a sin. God don't and can't commit a sin. It is a sin to be a respecter of persons. So when God, through Samuel, tells Saul that I've got somebody else picked out, I'm taking the kingdom from you, I've got somebody over here, your neighbor, who's better than you. What he's talking about is he is going to better carry out the will of God. He is going to better glorify God. Do you get that? That's what the word better really refers to. So let's look back at this again in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 4. He says, being made so much better than the angels. And that word made does not mean he, he was created by God. A lot of uh, cults and, 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 and people who aren't going to make heaven are teaching that Jesus was created. Jesus was not created. The Bible teaches he is creator. God by his son created the worlds. We just read it right here here in verse 2. God in these last days spoken to us by His Son, whom He's appointed heir of all things, by whom also He made the worlds. He made the ages. 
In John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says that Jesus, as the living Word, God used Him to create all things and that there's not one thing created that was not created by Him. Hallelujah. So that means Jesus and Lucifer are not brothers because Jesus created Him. Come on now. You, if you're a Bible believer, you're not going to go for that lie. If you're a Bible believer, you won't... Listen, if Joseph Smith, the Mormon guy who's dead and not with the Lord today, eternally separated from him in a place called hell, if he had been a Bible believer when that angel called Moroni that he claimed showed up and gave him direction and something different and, and taught him different things, he wouldn't, if he would have been a Bible believer, he would have been quickened by the Holy Spirit and reminded that Paul said, if even an angel from heaven shows up and tries to give you any other gospel than what I've given you, let them be accursed, but he either didn't know that or he rejected that. And so there you have a whole religious lost in darkness religion called Mormonism that thinks Lucifer and Jesus are brothers. And there's probably a lot more cults out there that believe that. And, and, <coughs> and, and you can't find it in the Bible. What you can find is Jesus is creator and heir of all things. Hallelujah. And so here, Jesus is seen as being made so much better than the angels because he by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. God knows every angel. Every angel has a name. Listen, if all the stars were named by God, then all the angels have names. Even if we're only God limited a few names of angels to us, they all have names. I believe they do. If God named the stars, well, I believe angels are, are higher on a higher level than the stars. And But here, Jesus is says he's been given a... He's made so much better than the angels and has by inheritance, and that means through what he did at Calvary, that's how he inherited all things. He's creator of all things, upholder of all things by the word of his power, and he's also the inheritor of all things, all because he became obedient unto death. You need to remember that. And that's how he obtained a more excellent name than they. The Bible says in the New Covenant, in the New Testament that we read, that he's been given a name above all names because of what he did at Calvary. That's what the New Covenant teaches. Because of what he did on the cross, he's received a name above all names. He's Lord of Lords and King of Kings. He can be yours today if you're lost. If, if, you, if you're listening to me and you, you think that you've been too bad and you can't be saved, no, you're not understanding what God has said that don't matter how bad you've been, how wicked you've done, God sent His Son to save you from all of that. Not only the guilt of it, but the power and the shame of it. He wants to save you and deliver you from it because He's a faithful God who can do it all through His Son who gave His life for you to be saved. And for you Christians listening to me, He wants you to know you can live a life in victory, but it's not any other way going to be done, found, outside of faith in Jesus Christ 
and him crucified. Praise God. Great session today. Don't forget about the booklet, $10. You can uh, give to get it at thecrosswaychurch.com or you can donate by texting the word GIVE to 903-231-5950. God bless you. We love you. Don't forget to tune in in the morning at 9 a.m. for our second Timothy teaching and we will continue to dig in God's word and find him through faith in the sacrifice. He's faithful to those that diligently seek him. Praise the Lord. Until tomorrow, I'll see you then. God bless you. Stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. See you then.